Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Ryan Koopmans. He received his DVM from Iowa State in 2012, and he's been practicing in the companion health environment ever since. He is an Army Veterinary Corp officer. He has his master's in financial planning from the College of Financial Planning. I'm super excited as well to kind of formally announce, and I know I've kind of hinted at this from other guests when we've chatted, that Ryan has actually joined our team at Vincere Wealth. And we'll be moving out of his kind of clinical role and full-time into being a financial planner, serving his peers in vet med. So with that, Ryan, thanks so much for uh, carving out time to come on the podcast. Yeah, this is awesome. This is kind of a a dream come true over the last few years, a lot of hard work to get to this spot. So it's pretty awesome to get all this started, get it moving on. Absolutely. And I'll give everyone kind of a quick overview of how we connected, and then I'll let you tell your version of it. And we'll see how much it lines up from that standpoint. But you had reached out to me over LinkedIn in 2019, and we just stayed in touch. And at that point, I hadn't merged with Josh, and Vincere was not even anything I knew would happen. And then obviously, 2020 was a crazy, weird year. But it's been fun with the ability to kind of connect and then finally meet in person and like go through and get to know each other personally as well as professionally. But yeah, it all started based on looking out in the environment and saying there's some things that we're missing and you searching for hey, who's doing stuff in this space? And you had a desire to do it. So I think where I would like to start is what kind of got you interested in vet med initially from like growing up? Was it the, you know, I was five years old and there was stuffed animals and I was like putting bandages on them and stuff or like, what did that look like? Yeah, my family, it was always big. I grew up in the Midwest. My family was always big into animals, whether it's you know cows. My mom had pets, you name it. We had squirrels, raccoons, cats, dogs. I mean, you name it, huge into animals. And I was always a big part of my life. And in high school, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do something in business at the time, but I thought that might be a little bit boring. I always loved math and science. And then one day I was going to the clinic with my mom, just taking our dog there. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, wow, you know, I could do math, science, love of animals all together in one thing. I was like, yeah, this is probably a cool idea. And then I just started shadowing veterinarians and working with these different veterinarians, making sure it was something I thought I would like to do and just grew from there. So I guess it's pretty similar. Love of animals, love of science. Most everybody's probably got the same similar type of story there. Absolutely. And then can you kind of share what the career path has been up to this point? Obviously, you're making a big pivot. And I've talked about this in the podcast that as a clinically trained veterinarian, there's a ton of different things that you can do. And the skill set that you have is transferable in a lot of different ways. Obviously, not every veterinarian has a passion for personal finance and investing and all that stuff like you do, right? But it can lead into opportunities that are completely outside of what you were trained for, which I think is really, really cool. But can you kind of share, you graduate from Iowa State, like, where did you go? What happened? Where did you work? And just kind of experiences from there? Yeah, so it I guess it kind of started in Iowa State. My first two years of veterinary school was actually in Nebraska, and there was an in-state agreement with them. So I started there and then went to Iowa State. And my third year, I met my wife, Sarah. So she's also a veterinarian, and she was from Connecticut. And so after veterinary school, we decided to move to Connecticut. Case okay, never been in Connecticut before, never been in the Northeast. Let's have a good time and go somewhere new and different. So we went up there. I uh, stayed there for about four years, small animal clinical practice, a couple of different corporate practices that I worked for at that time. Uh, my wife worked for a corporate practice too at that time too. And then we kind of got the itch where, hey, gloomy weather, 
snow, cold, all that good stuff. And my sister was living out in the Bay Area at the time and still does. And so we just kind of decided we have a young girl. We wanted to raise families together. We had another girl on the way. So we decided to pick up and move, you know, got in a U-Haul, packed up all of our stuff, baby, basset hound, baby in the oven, and just moved, went all the way across the country while she was about seven, eight months pregnant and got to California. And then I've been with the same practice, kind of a private practice here for the last five years. And I'm in the Army as well. I'm a veterinarian in the reserves. And so I've actually deployed yeah, two, three years ago now, I think at this point, yeah, two years ago, to Afghanistan. So I had some experiences, crazy experiences as far as that side of thing goes. And been in the reserves for about 20 years, you know, 10 years you know, as a veterinarian. And so yeah, I got the itch. Actually, I spoke to Travis Hornsby, which is a student loan planner. You've had him on the podcast. Just kind of chatting about, you know, my student loans, my wife's student loans, and told him about my interest. And he kind of said, you know, there's no veterinarian that's a CFP out there. That There's not much of a niche out there. And I certainly were not aware of Isaiah Douglas yet. And so he kind of planted the seed for me. I'm like, well, I'm going to go through the education part of it. So I started that about three years ago and ended up getting through the first six courses. I was like, well, hey, I might as well just go finish up the master's. I'm already two-thirds of the way through it. So I finished that up. In the meantime, connected with Isaiah through LinkedIn and right before I was deploying to Afghanistan. You know what? This could be really cool. We're, this could turn out to be absolutely nothing. This could be turn out to be something perfect, but let's keep on chatting. And Vincere evolved. I evolved and, you know, get to start something pretty cool here. So that's kind of my long story to today here. Absolutely. And then was it the podcast is how you originally found me via LinkedIn or how was it? I think I've asked this before, but I all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know if I know this answer. You know, I'd like to say it was the podcast and you would like to say it was the podcast, but it was LinkedIn. Okay. It was LinkedIn. It was absolutely LinkedIn. Yeah. I think I was searching for financial planners that have a niche as far as veterinarians goes, just to see if anybody else is out there working in that space. And I came up with the bearded guy. I got the bearded guy. Yep. (laughs) Hey, it works. And the beard is, I feel like that's part of the look now, even though I've told people that it may go away at some point, but I'd have to rebrand. And that just sounds like a lot that I don't know if I'm ready for yet. So we'll see. So the interest in the personal finance was really based on kind of the student loan burden and trying to figure out like, hey, how the heck do we pay these back? Which, I mean, I think that is generally a lot of times in that med, the first time we start thinking about money and finances is like, okay, got through this, got the education, got this debt I got to pay back. So I need to make money to pay it back. Was there anything else? Like, were you always kind of interested in the personal finance piece growing up or was it more or less, Hey, how am I going to pay back this chunk of money now that I'm making money versus just going to school? Yeah, I started pretty early. I started about 18, 19 when I got into the army, met a couple of guys that were really into investing and finance and that kind of grew from there. So I had a financial planner when I was 19 years old, basically, because I had income coming in from the army and just kind of grew from there immensely. Just, I found there's all kinds of different financial planners out there. kind of found what I like, what I don't like, found something here that I really, really like. So the joy of finance has certainly increased immensely since, since I was 18, 19 years old. So bringing 
my wife into the picture in 2011, 2012. I mean, she had a really still, by she, I mean, we, we have a significant debt load as far as school goes. So it just kind of brought in some new aspects, new things to think about other than obviously just myself. So that sprung a few ideas and thoughts, certainly too. Absolutely. When you look out at the landscape, and obviously you have a lot of peers, A, those that you went to school with, those you've worked with, you've had conversations about investing, personal finance, just money in general with your peers. What do you think is like one of the things that's kind of missing or that you've noticed? And it's a super broad question, so you can take it in any direction that you want. But is there anything that as you were having those conversations through your working career, you're like, man, this seems to be like the constant theme? Yeah, it's a plan, like whether it's a plan for how to pay off your student loans, whether it's a full financial plan in general, like my wife is basically how I see most veterinarians. She just didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And if you don't have an interest in it, you're probably not going to go after more information until something bad happens or you're just going around in circles. And so without a plan, it just doesn't work generally. You're going to make big mistakes or you're going to make continuously small mistakes that turn out not very well. So I just see it in most veterinarians that, especially coming out today, you know, I've been out for 10 years and just, it doesn't seem to be big on people's minds until maybe five to 10 years later, which if you on your mind earlier, you're probably going to be better off earlier. So that's the biggest thing I see by far. You know, from listening to this and our conversations and even getting to meet clients now that we work with, practice ownership has been a big thing that I've encouraged and talk a lot about on this podcast with people in general. Was that ever something that crossed your mind? Like when you initially went to vet school, was it, hey, I want to become an owner and maybe talk about the reasons maybe why you didn't or did you explore that? I think that would be interesting because if I'm someone listening, that might be something that I'm like, I wonder why Ryan didn't go that route. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think we've talked about that yet. I certainly thought I was going to. I took a course in veterinary school, you know, wrote up a whole business plan, you know, really thought someday that I would own a practice. And as I got five to seven years out, I just didn't have the huge passion for it anymore. I felt like, hey, I was building this other financial planning option and I had a passion for that. Like, well, either I go maybe try to be a partner somewhere on something I'm not really that into anymore versus go after something I really, really want to do. So I think if I really had the passion, I absolutely would have gone after it and sought out different ways to achieve that. But just, I just didn't think at the end of it, it wasn't really in the cards for me. Trying to, my wife, we're trying to convince her that it's a good way to go. Certainly. I think we're slowly wearing her down, but yeah, absolute no brainer in my mind most of the time to consider that as a really good option. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. And one thing that I will share from our conversations and you hit on it there is like having the passion for it where, hey, you're a good doctor. You're effective at what you do. You enjoy it at moments, but it just wasn't like, hey, I see myself doing this for a long period of time, which we have those conversations. It's like, it's not always about maximizing dollars and cents. It's like, what do I actually want to do? And how do I tie that into going back to the plan? Like, what's the plan? It's not always about, hey, I need to start a practice so I can make the most amount of money so I can do, it's like, no, like if that makes you miserable, you shouldn't do that. And I think you're a great example of that. But one thing that was really cool as we started working together and going through things and you shared with me, and hopefully it's okay to share this. If not, we'll edit it out, right? But you were like, hey, this is the first time in a while where I've been really, really excited and fired up to do something. And to me, I'm like, that's awesome. Like it makes me feel good, right? But it's cool when you can help people find the right fit. 
I'm spoiled from the standpoint of getting to work with you. Like that's great. But when I think veterinarians are out there looking at positions, it's like trying to figure out, I just had a conversation recently. It's maybe going from clinical practice to industry. And that would make this person more excited to go to work because right now it's just not the right environment for them. And I would just highly, highly encourage people. You might be like, shoot, I don't care about finances at all. Maybe I need help with that or whatever, but you have a passion doing something else. Like it is worth exploring. And I think you'll kick yourself if you don't go explore it and at least see what it could be and have conversations. Again, Ryan, for you, it was like, this was years and years ago. Like this is an interest. I don't know where exactly it's going to turn up. And I think that's a great example and story for others to think about as well as like, if there's that interest, continue to explore it, keep doing your thing and then figure out ways to maybe make that a reality. 100% agreed. I, I thought the word passion was, I always smiled and giggled when people said, oh, I have this passion for something. It's like, yeah, I can't say that I was like super passionate about anything, especially veterinary medicine. I mean, I certainly enjoy aspects of it. And there's times where it's really, really fun. I enjoy working with technicians and other doctors. And there's some times out there where it's, you know, it's really rewarding, but just didn't have the passion that I feel like I have for this. And certainly wasn't a quick change. You know, it took me three, four years, a lot of hard work to get to this spot, but it's obviously very much worth it for me. So yeah, I agree hundred percent. You're spending four years of your life doing something. You might as well enjoy it. Absolutely. And even just from like the intro, if you read the different things that you're doing full-time in the army, getting your master's, like it's obvious that you just like to sit around and be bored all day, right? Like <laughs> you, you don't like to, to keep yourself busy. So I think that's one thing too, as you talked about, like it's been a long time coming and there's been sacrifices that have been made from a personal and professional level, which is something that I absolutely commend you for. It's like, Hey, this is something that I want to go do and I want to find a way to make it work. So Ryan, you talked about, you know, at 19, right in the army, making some money, started to say, Hey, I want to have an advisor and started working with people. And so you've seen that over the course of years being a client. And now you're kind of going to the other side of the table and saying, I want to work with my peers as being someone that was a client for a long time now being the advisor. What were some of the things that you saw or felt as you went through that? that you are like, shoot, this was something that just didn't maybe feel right. Or I feel like there's ways to improve it. Any thoughts around that? Yeah. So like I said, I started 18, 19 years old with an advisor, just a referral from my sister. And it was, was not a CFP, not a fiduciary. You know, it put me into a variable whole life insurance at 18 years old, sold high cost mutual funds to me. I mean, it got me started, got me thinking of certainly a good start, right? But just some things that doesn't sit right knowing what I know now. And so I was with him for a while until we moved to Connecticut. And then my wife's dad had an advisor that we met and, and worked with him. And he's certainly been a, a great mentor to me here. But I didn't feel like well taken care of, even though I was different than a normal client. I had to contact the advisor to ask questions, like never got any contact straight from him. It was always me dictating everything. And so it just felt like, hey, there's something mission, missing here. There's got to be something better out there. And then as we started talking and seeing how your process goes, just clicked. Like, I feel like, hey, this is how things should be done. You shouldn't meet with someone once a year and chat about how life was for five minutes and look at the investment returns. That's not what it's all about. There's a lot more to financial planning than that. And just seeing that, how you do it, how Vincere does it, that's just how I see things going. That's what I agree with. That's how I think it should be run. And so it's really 
I feel like I've hit the jackpot that how I got to this position here, I feel a little bit spoiled that I haven't put my dues in for like others in the financial planning space, but I'll take lucky uh, any day of the week. It's what is it? Hard work plus preparation gets you to being lucky and going back to some of the things that you did, like, shoot, you've put yourself in a position to, to make that happen. And going back to something you said when you met with Travis about being the only DVM fee-only CFP, which you'll sit for your CFP next year, right? So you still have to have the industry experience and be able to work under someone. And like, so that's still coming. But from my understanding, still, you will be the only person in the nation, in the US that would have that, which is like freaking amazing, which is awesome. And again, kudos. It's pretty cool. I yeah. certainly <laughs> uh, not want to talk about myself much, but I will. Uh, I'm, it's going to be pretty cool. Pretty cool. One thing that you highlighted on the advisory thing that I thought was really interesting is just the reactive versus proactive from a communication standpoint, because I think it's the same way in veterinary medicine. A lot of times, like if you're able to be proactive with things from how you want to make sure, hey, keep it up with compliance or we're going to talk about this stuff and try to just make changes today versus trying to then treat stuff down the road. It just makes sense that you would want to be proactive versus reactive. Do you see any parallels between financial planning and veterinary medicine and like, I guess, analogies or things that you think about as far as like treatment and planning. And I think you have a unique, again, a unique lens to that. And I think some of the analogies or stories or examples might be beneficial. Yeah. The typical one is my 10-year-old dog's been vomiting and diarrhea, not eating for six days now. And I'm going to bring him in for you to see him. And he's not looking up, he's sitting on the exam table, not moving. That is basically, hey, I've made all my financial decisions. I'm sitting in a heaping pile of debt. I have $50,000 of credit card debt, but I'm going to wait a couple more months to call a financial planner. And maybe I won't. Don't worry. Not a big deal. It'll be okay. Obviously, both of those situations are different, but kind of somewhat similar issue as far as how we think about it. Like, Maybe if you come day one, donkey doesn't get quite as sick or financial plan doesn't get much worse or financial situation doesn't get much worse. So that's the easiest thing I think of by far. Yeah. Ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. I mean, I love that that statement. I think it's true in a lot of different areas in life, but especially in taking care of pets and from a financial perspective. Totally. Yeah, I love that. The other thing I wanted to ask, and you may or may not have an answer, and just curious to hear your thoughts. Do you have any non-consensus views, opinions when it comes to money, personal finance, investing that you feel like you like to discuss or hold something kind of closer to what your values are? Yeah, I really used to be very, very concerned about debt. Right out of veterinary school, it was that worried about investing. It's all about trying to get out of debt. And so my wife and I tried $350,000, $400,000 worth of vet school debt just on her side. And we tried you know, for maybe a year and a half, two years, just trying to pay that off. And after a couple of years of just going around in circles, like, hey, are we going to do this for the next 10 years? Are we going to just live like college students for till we're 40 trying to pay this off? Or should we just pay a minimum and do other things with life? And we Certainly, there's a big light that turned on once we decided, hey, what's the point of doing this? And then later on, we decided, well, hey, same thing with other debts. Like, yeah, we're going to pay a couple hundred bucks a month for X, Y, or Z, but we've thought it out. 
either it's an investment in good times, good family, or hey, it's an investment in something else. Like it's not always about investing for dollars and cents. Like we invested in the family and having a good time and having a good time in life, not just, you know, let's pay off our debts, let's keep our nose to the ground and just keep going. Like I think the biggest thing there is you can use some of these tools out there to make life better for yourself. And I guess that's probably the easiest answer I got for that. I loved when you kind of told me, hey, we made a bad decision. <laughs> but it was, again, going back to kind of the return on life. You have two young daughters and you're like, hey, we're going to put in a pool. We want to be in California a long time. It's something that we can do and enjoy as a family. I think that to me is awesome, where I think a lot of times people think about money as like, oh, it always needs to be delayed gratification. You can't touch it. Just put it away out of sight, out of mind. And it's like, no, you can make decisions to also enjoy the moment today. Susie Orman, be damned. You can't have a latte on your way to work and not be broke at the end of your life eating cat food. Like there is a fine line of like, just, you know, like you said, nose the ground, like just always delay, delay, delay versus, yeah, you are going to have to make choices. And you and Sarah have done that, right? There's certain things that, hey, we're going to put money away. We're going to automate this, or we're going to make these changes, but hey, we're also going to spend some money to make sure that we have a life that we actually enjoy. And yeah, so I think that is just, again, another story that is impactful and important that kind of builds up what you just talked about. Yeah. My wife's been super good for me as far as like getting me away from just saving. Like, but hey, let's go take a vacation. Let's get a pool, whatever it may be. She's always kind of drug me along out of the saving and I'm certainly better for it. I've enjoyed things more than just putting every penny I got in X, Y, or Z. So yeah. It's funny because sometimes people ask me hobbies and I sit with my wife and I'm like, like the whole like saving and investing thing, I feel like that's kind of quasi a hobby for me and it's weird, but it's like, that's kind of one of the things I like doing. So yeah, maybe what's a soapbox topic, an area of interest, something maybe we haven't touched on yet that you want to chat through. Yeah. I've talked a lot about this with my wife, just with different people we've met during our life. It's the person that knows it all, whether it's veterinary medicine, whether it's finance, whatever it may be, those people that just feel like they know it all and let everyone else know they know it all. When you know that <laughs> like something's not right here, it's such a dangerous, dangerous thing to me that you're unwilling to listen to other professionals, either in your field or outside of your field, for whatever it may be. We all have grandpas, grandparents. It always reminds me that one of my grandparents, just no matter what, like we've had conversations where he basically tells me that he knows more about veterinary medicine than I do. It's just, it's comical at times that I just see that out there. I just, man, it's dangerous. It bothers me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great thing to say. And it is definitely a different lens to look at things, but having a dose of humility and being curious, I think is a really, really good thing because I know in my own career, and certainly I think your career, the same way, a testament of being curious. And just going and digging and wanting to learn more. Like if I wasn't curious, there'd be certain things that I wouldn't know or understand as well today. And then there's the whole like, I don't know if anyone listening knows the Dunning-Kruger effect where you like initially learn something and you're like, oh, I'm a genius. And then you learn more and you're like, I know nothing because I'm a moron. And then it comes back and it's not quite as high. It's like, I know what I don't know and how complex this is. And that's so many different things. It's like it, you can try to simplify. And again, as humans, the narrative and stories, it's important. And we certainly do that in financial planning, like the narrative matters of like helping tie money to the mission and the passion and all that stuff to make sure people can continue to work towards things. But same way in veterinary medicine, like what's the narrative around this? How is this going to solve the issue that this person has with their pet? 
that's what it's about. It's not about using big medical language and trying to confuse someone and make them feel stupid. That's not going to be helpful. If you can sell the solution or explain the solution, like that's going to get more people to say yes to treatment. And I think I've talked to a number of different clients. And one of the things that I've heard time and time again is there's like a moment where it clicks and it's how they use language and how they explain things to people. And then their business typically goes to a next level. And this is same for associates or owners. It's just all of a sudden it's like, wow, people respond so much better when I started changing the way that I talked or the way that I approached the situation. Or I took a step back and said, you know what, I'm going to try to take a little bit more time to explain this stuff. And so just the idea of being humble, I think is really important. And for some people, it's easier than others. And I think a lot of times the smartest people are going to be the ones that don't have to tell you how smart they are. You just kind of realize it, that they're pretty bright. And that's what I've noticed, again, in, in my short career, some of the people I respect the most, they, they don't always say a ton, but when they do speak, it's like, it's pretty damn profound. Yeah. I just learned so much more from other people than my own ways of learning. Like if you listen more than you talk, you're probably going to learn a whole lot, whether it's veterinary medicine, whether it's financial planning, whatever it may be, when you surround yourself with good, smart people, you're probably going to take in a lot of good information. Yep. And I want to give a shout out to previous podcast guest, and she and a handful of friends put on the sustainability and equine medicine seminar and retreat. So Stacy Cordovano, so Dr. Stacy, she was, and I'm spacing on which episode she was, but she has a podcast as well called The Whole Veterinarian. But they did and broke out in groups around disc profiles. Are you familiar with that, Ryan? You know, disc. So like I'm a high DI, I lean a little bit more, sometimes dominant to the D, which can sometimes mean you're an ass, which hopefully, I mean, you've known me enough now, like I have those traits at times, but I have the I piece where like the collaboration and the teamwork and like, I love that element of it, but you need people around you that are going to complement that as well, where it's not always just, Hey, you want someone that's just like me. That's going to react to everything just like me. Cause Lord knows if Vincier was full of all Isaiah's, there'd be a lot of problems. Like you need balance of different people and different types. And as you interact with people, going back to like being curious and listening is like you pick up on things to figure out how people like to communicate or maybe what styles they are. And then you can kind of be like a chameleon a little bit to like shift into what's best for them. And then that at the end of the day is going to make it less conflict. But anyways, the other thing, as far as the shout out from the sustainability, if you're an equine professional listening to this and you don't know Stacy and the work that she's doing in the event that she put on, and I think they're going to do more of them because it was a success, absolutely check it out. It was awesome. It was fantastic to be a part of it. And I think there's a lot of really good work being done by folks in the equine side that are trying to make a huge difference in kind of just what the industry looks like. And that's its own little niche world within vet med, but it's still really, really cool to see. So I know I just kind of like co-opted your answer there, but <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Anything else maybe that we haven't covered that you think is important, whether it's about you, the way you think about things, things you like to share? I have two young girls. They're fun. Lots of fun. Man, I think that one of the things that shifted my life recently too is, is you know just trying to figure out ways to spend more time and do more fun things with them, whether it's camping, different sports. We start. We did soccer, swimming, gymnastics, and we were just like balls to the wall for for a long time. And I'm like, oh my, this is really busy, but it was also really fun. So just excited to kind of see over the next few years how all that works. And obviously, the transition to Vincere is is certainly a good thing for that here too, with mental health and quality of life. I think so. Really excited about the process here and the change, and looking forward to the transition. Trying to get that done as soon as possible here. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's definitely one of the things that when we chatted about the opportunity and, and what it looks like, yeah, having a little bit more flexibility in the schedule and being able to work hours that make sense, be able to work anywhere that you want to. You don't have to be in a certain location from a certain amount of time and you can still have fulfillment and passion and build really cool relationships. Like when I tell people I'm very blessed and fortunate to get to what I do, I truly, truly believe that. And I know you're starting to see that in just conversations and it's been a lot of fun. So, all right, Ryan. So as we kind of wrap up for those that are listening, that are looking to maybe connect with you or chat and get to know a little bit more about you or what you're doing today, where would you direct them to connect with you? And what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. So first probably email uh, Ryan at VinceerWealth.com. And the other two spots, Isaiah, if you could put in a link on the notes here just for the calendar link. If anybody wants to chat, whatever it may be about, I don't care. Iowa State, Nebraska, you name it, veterinary medicine, financial planning, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. And then last one, LinkedIn. I've just met so many people from LinkedIn. My sister actually worked at LinkedIn for a while. So it's awesome, awesome way to connect with people all around the United States and globally, whether it's friends, whether it's colleagues, whatever it may be. So yeah, LinkedIn too. Perfect. Yeah. I'll put both your email and then the Calendly link, which is just a link to schedule a 30 minute call and then your LinkedIn link as well. But thank you for joining me again. I will say this as well. Like I'm extremely excited to have you join the team. I wanted to be able to highlight and kind of talk through and learn a little bit more about you to share with everyone else. So thank you for spending time and yeah, I look forward to uh, continuing to work together. Yeah. The team approach here is fantastic. I, I feel like we complement each other very well. It's going to be a fun ride. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.